Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Lunchtime edition here at WABC. And this has been the theme song for Donald Trump, both when he was running for president and unexpectedly won in 2016 and 2020 when he lost. And now as he circles the wagons at Mar-a-Lago and he determines who's a real friend and who's a foe and sometimes an imaginary foe. You know, it's interesting for me, Lou, because as you know, I was ne- a never-Trumper, never-Trumper in the beginning. Everyone ostracized me. Oh, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. You can't you can't win the Republican nomination for me here. I did. I crushed the Trumper, Matteo. But now I'm starting to feel like, wait a second. It's a real pylon on Donald Trump, right? Boy, when they wanted Donald Trump, they were kissing his tuchus, man. They were all up. Into his face, talking about Trump forever, Trump number one, second and none, and I see them all. You see, this is the way it was in the schoolyard. When the bully's on the ground, right, all of a sudden you jump from the sidelines and you start putting boots to the back of his neck. Yet, when he was riding high in the saddle, they couldn't get enough Trump, right? Back. Let's get right into it because this battle is underway and it's clear. That Donald Trump is trying to determine who are his real friends, who are his fake, phony, fugazi uh, part-time friends when it's convenient to them, and who are his imagined and real political enemies. And this has to do all with Republicans. Let's look at our own Congressman Peter King. Congressman Peter King, who oftentimes is a contributor to the morning show and the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with uh, John Katsimatidis, not only has bolted out uh, in the lead of the anti-Trumpers, but is tweeting it out. It's almost like, it's your time to go. It's your time to go. The fact is that uh, Donald Trump, the candidates he selected for the Senate, almost all these guys lost. That's true. No, you're right. I'm, just, then, ki- I'm just kidding. So, with you. Listen, yeah. he was an excellent president. I voted for him. I supported him. But the fact is that I think people are getting tired of that. And I think the fact that Ron DeSantis won such a big race in, in Florida. I mean, he only won by like a half a point four years ago. Hmm. So Peter King is taking the lead on all of this. <laughs> it's so interesting. I remember Congressman Peter King uh, taking shots at then uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was planning on running for the president of the United States, only to be side by side with him during the campaign. <laughs> 
politics makes strange bedfellows. Just make sure they don't carry the bed bugs from bed to bed to bed. Then all of a sudden, Lou, in the middle of the uh, 5 o'clock roundtable discussion the other day, some guy, like, bursts into the studio. Some young whippersnapper from Nevada. I think he originally tried to win the Republican primary to run for the Senate uh, against Laxalt uh, in the primary uh, part. And he just came in with fire and brimstone dropping verbal napalm on Donald Trump. In the end, in the end, Donald Trump is about Donald Trump. He chooses candidates which have failed. And he's going to come through on November 14th and run again and put his face in front of everybody on this Georgia election and harm us yet again. And he ought to go build a building or a golf course or do whatever he does and get the hell out of politics. <laughs> and then, he was a trumper. Oh, you love him. They're just, they're just diving off the good ship SSS Trump uh, without life preservers. They think they can swim the shore. Oh, it's so interesting to see this. I mean, I've seen this in street fights. I've been in street battles before. The guys you think got your back, and then all of a sudden you look behind you, and they've disappeared. And then all of a sudden you're taking a beat down. Even our own Sid Rosenberg getting very upset in the mornings because, remember, he was a Hillaryite. He supported Hillary Clinton when he was first joined at the hip with Bernard McGurk, hardcore Trumper. And then slowly, Sid changed his ways, and now he is the Trumper. But even he was getting spun by all these anti-Trump Republicans coming through the woodwork, including his own best friend, Bo Deedle. This is what he had to say the other morning after hearing Bo Deedle against Trump and his very dear friend, Congressman Peter King, against Trump. I'm so conflicted about so many things now. I mean... I felt so great about Trump, and you idiots now making me think twice, you know. Oh, he's thinking twice. Well, this is typical of Sid. We're going to be talking about his sit-down with uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. You can spin Sid like a top. All you got to do is stroke him. He's like a peacock. But anyway, holding firm, clearly Greg Kelly, if you listen to him as you should Monday through Fridays from 12 to 2, and then you saw him on Newsmax, Hardcore Trumper. He's not uh, abandoning ship. Likewise, Michael Baticich, Rudy Giuliani, hardcore Trumper. And then following Rudy, who's on from 3 to 4, it's James Golden, 4 to 5, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday mornings from 7 to 10. And he said, look, I'm not joining this dump Donald Trump movement. No way. I am not joining in. This anti-Trump, this 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 throw Trump under the bus pity party that's starting to happy, happen here. Because it began on election night right away with people trying to dump on Donald Trump. And no, we're not joining in on this dump Donald Trump. And uh, so James Golden clearly staking claim to the Trump side of the debate. And then our own Mark Levin that you can hear Monday through Friday, 6 to 9, a real hardcore Trumper, interviewed DeSantis uh, the day before the election, was very impressed with DeSantis, very smooth in the interview. And the very next day on election day, Mark Levin had words, uh, warnings to Trump's lawyers as they were beginning to uh, take shots at Ron, as former President uh, Donald Trump called him, de-sanctimonious. Let me be abundantly clear. 
I am not going to abide from where I sit, my perch, the personal attacks on Ron DeSantis, period. I don't care who they're coming from. And I've encouraged the lawyers for Donald Trump, who's one of my close friends, who I adore. You pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing, and you better get a little better at what you're doing. Because the Stasi's coming after Donald Trump. You don't need to get involved in politics. You need to get involved in defending your client. But these cheap shots at DeSantis are not going to fly. They're not going to fly. Whether other candidates like it or not, DeSantis is beloved by conservatives. Because he was the one who stood up against the vaccines. He's the one who stood up against Fauci. He's the one that took the slings and arrows of Washington and stood up against Washington when it came to COVID-19. He did it. Well, little push come to shove. Whose side will Mark Levin be on if, in fact, it comes down to Trump versus de-sanctimonious, as Trump now calls him, uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida? Well, I think that's a toss-up. That's why you got to be listening to WABC, fill out your lineup card, who's pro-Trump, who's anti-Trump, who's vacillating, who's medze, medze, poco, poco. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, yesterday, actually early today, jabbed at Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, lashing out for a second straight day at a potential rival for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. He he uh, texted out Youngkin. Now, that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese, doesn't it? <laughs> In Virginia, he couldn't have won without me. Trump wrote on Truth Social, the social media platform that he's using now and that he helped found. Now, I think if I remember correctly, Youngkin tried to uh, distance himself from Trump, although reasonably. You know, his path to victory really were through parents who didn't want the state controlling what was uh, being taught to their teachers, uh, their their children without any uh, input. Uh, with the parents. Uh, that was Youngkin's path to victory. He was he was not a hardcore Trumper. There's no doubt about that. But let me read to you uh, from uh, Donald Trump's um, text out there yesterday, Save America, President Donald J. Trump. This was yesterday. Uh, News Corp., which is Fox, The Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post, bring back Cole Allen. Oh, I remember Cole Allen, the editor today. I got along splendidly with that Aussie. I wonder if the Post would have endorsed Eric Adams if Cole Allen uh, was still there and had not gone back to Australia. Anyway, that's all in the past. Is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did, unlike other Republican governors whose overall numbers for a Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including COVID, and who has the advantage of, all in capital letters, lose sunshine where people from badly run states up north would go no matter who the governor was, just like I did. And he uh, states, Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead on arrival, losing in a landslide to a very good agricultural commissioner of the state of Florida, Adam Putnam, who was loaded up with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money. But he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam uh, Putnam, so I said, hey, let's give it a shot, Ron. When I endorsed him, it was as though, to use a bad term, a nuclear weapon went off. Years later, 
They were the exact words that Adam Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, quote, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement of my opponent, DeSantis. I then got Ron by the star of the Democratic Party, Andrew Gilliam, who was later revealed to be a crackhead by having two massive rallies with tens of thousands of people at each one. I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. I was all in for Ron DeSantis, and he beat Gillum. But after the race, when votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County, which stayed Democrat in this election cycle, I might add, and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent in the FBI and the U.S. attorneys, and the ballot theft immediately ended, just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win. I stopped Ron DeSantis' election from being stolen. Now, it's clear that Ron DeSantis, if he's going to make a bolt for the presidency, he's got to do it now. He's the golden child of the Republican Party. He's where Shabu El Jefe Chris Christie was in the uh, start of the Republican primary campaign that nominated uh, Mitt Romney. You remember the farmers from Iowa came to Trump Thwacket, the governor's residence outside of Princeton. They begged, they beseeched, they drank ethanol at dinner, uh, they ate uh, ham hocks, they did everything to say, you know, if you come to Iowa, we'll bankroll you in the first Caucasoid caucus. You can become the Republican nominee for president. And uh, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, blinked, and you know the rest of the story. Romney went on to win. Christie thought he would be chosen vice president. He wasn't. He picked a badger boy, Ryan. Ryan now also taking shots at Trump. That's to be expected. Trump hated Ryan, and Ryan hated Trump. But isn't this all interesting? Because DeSantis has to make a run. He's term limited. It can only get worse. He can't get any better for him than it is right now. He's not going to go on a challenge. Uh, little Marco Rubio for Senate or Senator Rick, uh, Rick Scott. So now is his time. Problem is, I hear through the grapevine, Lou, that just as Donald Trump has a humongous ego that you need a crane to get in and out of Mar-a-Lago up in Tallahassee at the governor's uh, executive office. Apparently, the DeSantis, likewise. You walk in there, and the guy thinks he's Mr. Big Stuff. Uh, who do you think you are walking in? So it's going to be ego versus ego. Pick your poison. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche. Another owner in the night. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche. Another owner in the night. Lunchtime edition here at WABC Veterans Day. By the way, uh, did the kids even go to school in New Jersey this uh, past week? Of course not. We'll discuss that coming up later on. But clearly, Sid Rosenberg was blinded by the light as he went for a sit-down with Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, the pivot and shift guy, which is basically code language for flip-flopper. 
And, uh, Lou, we're going to have to call it the re-education of Sid Rosenberg. He's going to a re-education camp. And he is uh, abandoning the belief system that so many of us have that Eric Adams, the man who has overseen crime and chaos in the city of New York, not law and order, is all of a sudden uh, the Mashiach, the savior. Somehow he's going to be able to pull us out of all this this crime. In fact, here was uh, Sid Rosenberg earlier this morning talking about his re-education. Eric Adams is a loser. He can do no right. And that's no way to be. Things evolve. Situations change. People change. Sometimes they don't. I did. I was a loser most of my life. A loser. And now I own this city. I'm the king of New York. And if that sounds arrogant and brash, tough. Fact. People do change. Things evolve. Situations change. But you got to be willing to listen. And I sat there last night and I listened. And there were a couple things he said to me that I couldn't argue. By the way, Lou, he didn't wear the wire that I gave him. So we all could have heard it and come to our own conclusions. But he said he's the king of New York. Is that what he said? He's King Herod. He's King Herod. Look at the Old Testament and you'll know what I'm talking about and conflate it with the New Testament. He is definitely King Herod. Let me remind all of you out there, including Sid Rosenberg, riding high on his horse. This is the same Eric Adams who has this to say about us. I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. Uh, can I hear that again to remind uh, everyone out there? I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. So he walks out of that uh, dinner with uh, Sid Rosenberg, who was all mesmerized, blinded by the light. And you know he's telling his team, I kicked that cracker's ass, just like the rest of them. And by the way, was Danielle offered a job by Corporation Council? Was that the quid pro quo? I didn't hear anything about that. I'll find that out. Because you know who was nearby at a, a table? I warned Sid about this, Mr. Clemenza. <laughs> he may not have worn a wire, Sid, but I heard all about it from Mr. Clemenza. But anyway, listen what Sid has to say about wanting his newfound uh, resurrected friend, Eric Adams, who thinks of Sid as a cracker. What he wants for Eric Adams every week. What I'm trying to do here, and John Gambling did this, I know, and others, is get him on every week and maybe have you folks speak to him. And maybe he could explain to you. Some of the things that you don't like, specifically crime, maybe he could explain to you, like he did to me last night, why a lot of it is difficult. And it's not as easy as, as me and Bernie have been saying for months, name and shame. He never names and shames Alvin Bragg, right? Of course not, because Alvin Bragg could investigate City Hall, as they already are doing with uh, Sid Rosenberg's friend uh, and Eric Adams' friend, Eric Ulrich, who had to resign as building's commissioner, because he is corrupt right down to the marrow of his bone. Uh, Lou, can I hear that beginning again? He's comparing himself to who in radio history? What I'm trying to do here, and John Gambling did this, I know, and others. John Gambling. So now Sid Rosenberg wants to be like rambling with gambling. John Gambling never had an opinion about anything. I mean, that was his claim to fame, his grandfather, his father, John Gambling, WOR, Women's Only Radio, 
what was the claim to fame of John Gambling is that he would never ask a tough question. And so he's referring to John Gambling, who would host Ask the Mayor when Michael Bloomberg was mayor. So Michael Bloomberg would come in uh, Monday mornings to WABC. You know who the screener was, uh, Lou? Jill Vitale, a.k.a. Flirty. Somebody who Sid Rosenberg knows well. As soon as Bloomberg would come in, Flirty would be told, get out of the the phone screening seat, and he would put his own guy, Stu Lozier, in, who is a, a muckraker, a digger. And they would basically only take pro-Bloomberg calls. So they had set up people calling. It was pro-Bloomberg all the time, unlike when Rudy was mayor for eight years. And he did ask the mayor, man, he, he was rocking and socking with a lot of his adversaries. That was good talk radio. Bloomberg... Look, can I hear that again, please? What is, how, has he lost his self-esteem as a broadcaster? What I'm trying to do here, and John Gambling did this, I know, and others. You want to be like John Gambling? A man who never had an opinion on anything? Sid, did you lose your, your testicles, your three-piece set? You, you go, go talk to Flirty, Jill Vitale, she'll tell you. They would come in, and they would control the show, ask the mayor. It would only be positive calls. Everybody who worked for Bloomberg would be ordered, call in and just say nice things about the mayor. What the hell happened to this guy? He was blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. He wants them every week. <laughs> and what about Eric Adams, who started this whole uh, talk about how we all have a perception of crime in the city, Sid? We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, When you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services, that adds to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. You know what it is, Lou, ever since uh, Sid abandoned the Upper West Side when he used to take the number one train down to the old uh, WABC studios, Stupend Plaza, 17th floor above Madison Square Garden, he doesn't ride a subway anymore because he's out in the Irish Riviera. He's got Jeeves who drives in the work, drives him back. He's afraid to take the A-train out there. I got to tell you, Lou, next week, you, me, and Sid, we got to take the A-train out to Beach 116th Street and then over to Mott Avenue, Far Rockaway. So this way, Sid can reconnect. He knows what average people have to go to. And then just yesterday, what a Shonda Sid did. You know that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, was sitting without Slim Shady Sharpton on Coffee Joe on MSNBC. And listen to the revisionism of Eric Adams now. It's not the perception of fear. Uh, all of a sudden, after the midterm elections, he realizes, oh, it's real to a lot of people. And the goal is to speak directly to voters and find out what are you feeling. And I must deal with the actual and how you feel. Speak to the voters. Remember the case of Elizabeth Gomez? I have to repeat that over and over because it was our show that was provided that video that the MTA money-taking agency embargoed. You remember it was a mother of five in Far Rockaway who every morning would take the A-train. The A-train that Sid Rosenberg refuses to take because it's too dangerous to the Howard Beach station, and then she would board the uh, 
buses to JFK Airport where she worked. And remember, you saw that black guy, that madman who just pounded her, assaulted her, threw her into the token booth that was empty, no cops around, and then came back for a second opportunity to beat the hell out of her. Nobody did anything. Nobody jumped in. No cops whatsoever. We all saw that, right? And then we heard the words of Elizabeth Gomez, who is still convalescing in Far Rockaway, mother of five, who may still, at this point, lose an eye. Do you know how scared I am now? I was never a person to be scared. I can't see anything on my right side, honestly. And it just hurts. It's an incident in the subway. What happened to all these police officers? They said they will have there to protect us, to be there. There's like nobody to be found. I I don't understand. The re-education of Sid Rosenberg, not far away from him, on the other side of the Rockaways, is Elizabeth Gomez. Do you know, Lou, that she was never visited by Eric Adams or any member of the Adams administration? She had no one to depend on. So here it is, just a few blocks away. Newfound resident of the Rockaways, afraid to take the A-train, Sid Rosenberg. And yet, all of a sudden, he's been re-educated by the... What What does he call himself every time, instead of flip-flopping... What does he call himself, Lou, uh, Eric Adams? One of the most important terms is pivot and shift. And we're going to pivot and shift uh, to solve these problems. Pivot and shift. Isn't that like flip-flop? Could I hear that again, Lou? Uh, We're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. That's flip-flop. Now, look at the biggest flip-flop in history. We had the tent that was set up where first? In Orchard Beach. Everybody told him, even AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. That's her congressional district. Everyone told him, friend and foe, don't put a tent at Orchard Beach in the parking lot. You get a little precipitation, there's a flood. Oh, no, I'm Eric Adams. I know better than anyone else. I'm pretentious. I'm omnipotent. You know, I'm an engineer. I'm, uh, I might as well be commissioner of parks. And what happened? They had to fold the tent in. Then remember, Lou, he set up the tent on Randall's Island. Again, the experts said, don't set up a tent on Randall's Island. Uh, It's going to flood the moment there's any precipitation. And he not only sent up a tent for the illegal aliens and welcomed them in, even those not seeking asylum recently from Senegal, he provided them with Xbox, 72-inch big screen TV, uh, laundry would be farmed out, folded, downy bounty softener would be put into it. Three squares a day, 350 feet away, is a normal men's shelter on Randall's Island. Some of those men are veterans. Yes, some of them are veterans. They didn't get any of that. But illegal aliens not even seeking asylum were given that. And what did Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, do yesterday? Can I hear what he does every time, Luke, please? One of the most important terms is pivot and shift. And we're going to pivot and shift uh, to solve these problems. So what did he do? He shut down the tent on Randall's Island. Millions of dollars spent for nothing, ugats, bupkis. And now he's going to take 600 of these single able-bodied men and shove them into a hotel right down in midtown Manhattan. 600 
And all I got to do is tell you, I'm doing a deep dive this weekend. The owners and operators of that hotel, remember LLT or whatever they call that, an offshore company, so you can't find out who the uh, owners and operators are. I guarantee you they're friends of Eric Adams. Uh, They probably provided a lot of campaign donations for him during his uh, very close Democratic primary, the general election against me, and he's already raised over a million dollars for his reelection campaign. He might as well make uh, Lou chairman of his reelection campaign, Sid Rosenberg, right? That King Herod. He's king of New York, isn't that what he? Can I see? Can I hear what Sid initially said about his dinner with Eric Adams? And you'll see how he's become King Herod to. Um, Eric Adams, who has become his Julius Caesar. Eric Adams is a loser. He can do no right. And that's no way to be. Things evolve. Situations change. People change. Sometimes they don't. I did. I was a loser most of my life. A loser. And now I own this city. I'm the king of New York. Hold it. Hold it right there. The king of New York. King Herod. From now on, you see Sid Rosenberg out there say, hey, King Herod, how's it doing? The next step of the re-education of Sid Rosenberg is, you watch, Eric Adams is going to ask him to put on a Kyrie Irving throwback Brooklyn Net jersey because, remember, who was best friends with Kyrie? Eric Adams. Remember, Eric Adams gave him special dispensation from the vaccine mandate so that he could play with the Brooklyn Nets uh, home games. Remember that? Remember how he said, oh, my, my homie Kyrie. You know, if you go to the NBA store, Lou, right now, the NBA store on Fifth Avenue, you walk in the door, you know whose jerseys are all up? Kyrie Irving. Hey, Adam Silver, I thought you were a proud Jew. You should impale yourself with a menorah. Watch. Eric Adams will get Sid Rosenberg to do the Eric Adams pivot and shift dance. And all of a sudden, Sid Rosenberg will be wearing a Kyrie Irving throwback Brooklyn Nets jersey, sitting right in the front row, cheering Kyrie on, the anti-Semite. Yeah, Kyrie. Yeah. And by the way, who else did Eric Adams hang out with during Fashion Week? Oh, that's right, Kanye West, who loved Hitler and loved the Nazis. You watch as Sid Rosenberg, blinded by the light, goes to his re-education if you happen to see Sid, if you can text him, please let him know. Don't sell out. Don't be Judas. Don't become King Herod. Oh, we're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. New York's talk station with the King of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. Different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. have died out from World War II, Korean War. Now the predominant number of Vietnam veteran vets was so poorly treated. It was udiscraziada, ashanda, the way they were treated upon their return to America. 
and many of them have never forgotten how they were dissed and dismissed and the people uh, who were either uh, conscientious objectors, uh, who decided to take uh, medical deferments or educational deferments, then got elected into office as their comrades were laid to rest in the many cemeteries uh, that dot the map of the United States. So many of them. Today is Veterans Day. It's raining outside. It's a parade up uh, up uh, Madison. And you say to yourself, how many people will turn out? Well, probably only the hardcore. I know our own Sid Rosenberg is on one of the floats. Thank God he did that as an antidote to what he went through last night sitting with Eric Adams. Uh, proud of Sid for doing that because a lot of people are not paying attention to veterans' needs. We are here at WABC. The entire day's format is dedicated to veterans. We have quite a few here who have served our country in peacetime and wartime. Led by Lieutenant Colonel Greg Kelly, who follows uh, Marine fighter uh, way up high in the sky, who's told us the good, the bad, the ugly about the war in Iraq. You know, looking for weapons of mass uh, destruction. He wasn't bamboozled. Unfortunately, many of us were at the start of that war. So today there will be a roundtable discussion that uh, Greg Kelly will be hosting. Our own Chad Lopez, uh, our capo di tutti, uh, president of Red Apple Media, served in the Navy. And there are other individuals who are part of our WABC staff who have served our country in peacetime and wartime. But you got to say to yourself, what happened in New Jersey? What did they take the whole week off first for Election Day? And then uh, the NJEA, what is that, 200,000 strong? The teachers all fled to Atlantic City for a so-called convention. That meant the kids were off Tuesday, Thursday, and today, Veterans Day. And you say to yourself, wait a second, why should anybody be off on Veterans Day from schools? When else are they going to learn about... Men and women who served during peacetime and wartime. What are they going to watch? The um, the History Channel, Lou, uh, which stands for the Hitler Channel? Well, I mean, maybe that's what Kanye can blame uh, his fascination with Hitler and the Nazis on, is that he grew up in the south side of Chicago watching the History Channel. But at least that was about World War II and the sacrifices made by our American troops and other troops to stop the horde of Nazis from flooding across Europe, potentially into the United States with their allies, the Japanese and the Pacific. But it's also a time to honor the veterans uh, who have served during peacetime. The kids need to be in school on Veterans Day. The curriculum needs to be about service to the country in the military. If you notice, the rates of men and women signing up for the military are at an all-time low. And part of that has to be because they're not being taught that history in school whatsoever. Down south, they do a hell of a better job than we do north of the Mason-Dixon line. So if anything, there should be school on Veterans Day. The whole curriculum should be dedicated to veterans who fought in wartime, who served in peacetime. They should be invited in for assemblies. They should sit in the very classrooms that they attended and convey to the children the importance of military service, not only to America, but to the rest of the world.